What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. I am Russ Hodges coming at you with another solo episode today. I was not on the podcast last week, was not feeling well whatsoever. For anybody who's got those seasonal allergies like I do, you know what it's like to deal with those sinus issues. And the worst part about it is you know it's coming. There's not much you can do about it. So I uh, was not feeling very well last week. Shout out to Anthony North and also Drew Carlton, who stepped in for me and did an awesome job on the podcast last week talking all things TCU sports. Uh, Anthony is traveling this week, so I promise we will get back together and we will be back at full strength soon. I know these last few weeks have been uh, kind of a hodgepodge effort from us here at Frogs of War, but we're still doing everything we can to bring you all the Latest and greatest on TCU sports. Uh, this episode is going to be, I think, pretty brief. We're going to talk about TCU baseball. Big series coming up this weekend. Frog ball is upon us at last. A big series coming up at Globe Life Field in Arlington. We will talk about that. We have some more unfortunate news, sadly, to talk about with TCU basketball. A couple more losses as uh, TCU continues to slide down the Big 12 standings like the banana splits. We will talk about that and what it means for TCU's NCAA tournament chances. And then we'll cap off with a couple of uh, positive things as well with TCU men's tennis, uh, as well as a couple of shout-outs to the women's beach volleyball and women's tennis programs. And some football news that reportedly broke earlier today. So, Without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it. TCU Baseball has a series of games this weekend. The 2023 College Baseball Showdown between the Big 12 and SEC. We got three Big 12 teams, including TCU, as well as three SEC teams, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Missouri. So TCU will tee off the season Friday at Globe Life Field in Arlington. First game will be against number 10 Vanderbilt. Uh, TCU coming in ranked number 15 in the country by D1 Baseball. A lot of talent coming back from last season, some notable transfers. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But TCU and Vanderbilt facing off on Friday. The Frogs will then play Arkansas on Saturday, the number eight team in the country, and then close out the series with a game Sunday against unranked Missouri. So a really good test for TCU coming back in its second season under head coach Kirk Sarlus, uh, who worked under Jim Schlossnagel for a very long time as the pitching coach. Um, really good test for a team that has quite a few players in the starting lineup that are back from last season. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about some of the big-name guys. Obviously, Braden Taylor coming back at third base. He's a preseason All-American, is going to have a great season and be a huge part of TCU's success on both offense and defense. David Bishop coming back for his sophomore year at first base. Uh, Kendall Rogers, highly known college baseball insider, talked about how David Bishop has bulked up quite a bit. He's put on 20 pounds of muscle, I guess, and is primed for a really good season at the plate. Uh, showed some things last year as a freshman, I think as a chance to really break out this year. Um, TCU adding some... Notable transfers from the Big 12. The first one I want to talk about is Austin Davis, who's coming over from West Virginia. Really talented outfielder, can hit for average, very good runner on the base paths. He and Elijah Nunez are going to have 
a big impact on the bases. The two of them combined for 60 stolen bases last year. So between Elijah Nunez and Austin Davis with their speed in the outfield and their contact hitting ability, that's going to have a a huge boost for TCU uh, at the top of the order there. So Austin Davis is an all-Big 12 first-teamer. Last year, I think he's going to come in, compete, and play well right away. Also coming in from the Big 12 is Trey Richardson, uh, infielder from Baylor. I think he's going to play second base. And another guy that can hit for high average, can hit for contact, and and really can play anywhere in the lineup. Um, He's a guy I think that you can put near the bottom as kind of like a second leadoff man, or you could put him at the top with guys like Elijah Nunez and Austin Davis. So really excited to see what Trey Richardson and Austin Davis bring to the table. Uh, talked about Braden Taylor and David Bishop. You have Anthony Silva coming in, the freshman shortstop, who's the Big 12 preseason freshman of the year. So expectations obviously very high for him as he comes in to replace Tommy Sacco, who, as we know, had a tremendous season at shortstop last year. Um, Then we have a couple role players coming back. Curtis Byrne is going to do the catching again. Obviously, Curtis Byrne last season was not expected to be the starter. I believe it was Michael Petrie who was going to be the starter, and he suffered a serious injury, uh, missed the bulk of the season. But Curtis Byrne stepped in, hit the ball pretty well. I expect him to make another leap this year. You've got Luke Boyers coming back in the outfield. He's a guy who saw his power numbers grow quite a bit last season. Went from one home run as a freshman to, I believe, six home runs last year. Slugging percentage increased a lot as well. So uh, another important role player who was a, a good defender for TCU last year. I believe he only had one error. So all around the diamond, TCU has really good talent. And I think the DH position you have... A couple of options there with uh, Logan Maxwell, sophomore outfielder who played last year, had quite a few starts at the beginning of the season. And also Cole Fontenelle coming in uh, from the JUCO level, actually started his career at Washington, transferred to the JUCO level this past year and hit the ball like crazy as a switch hitter as well. So that's a guy I think can come in and make an impact right away. So a lot to like uh, with TCU offensively. And that offense is going to have to deliver, in my opinion, because there are going to be some questions with the pitching, the pitching staff. And uh, obviously that's Kirk Sarlus's bread and butter. You hope that he can work his magic. But uh, you're losing some guys from last year that pitched well or threw a lot of innings. When you look at uh, Marcelo Perez, Riley Cornelio, uh, Drew Hill, Caleb Bolden, Brett Walker, Austin Crobb who unfortunately just had to battle through injuries last year, wasn't the guy that we thought he could be. But that's a lot of talent that you're losing. And uh, you did add a notable transfer, Ryan Vanderhey from Kansas. He's a guy that has thrown quite a bit the last couple of years. Has a good fastball, mid-upper 90s fastball. Another guy who has that is Cam Brown, right-hander who's coming back from last year, started quite a bit. Those two guys are going to need to pitch well and pitch a lot, I think, for TCU to have a chance to be competitive in the Big 12. Ryan Vanderhey is going to start on Friday against Vanderbilt. Cam Brown is going to get the ball on Saturday against Arkansas. A starter has not been named for Sunday, so uh, that could be a bullpen day. 
It could be that TCU just doesn't know who its third starter is at the moment. But I think a candidate to take that spot is Luke Savage, who's done a tremendous job uh, out of the bullpen the last couple of years, I think is a guy who could step in and, and throw more innings in that weekend rotation. A couple of transfers to talk about and potentially someone who could be a starter is Sam Stoughtonboro. He came in from California uh, through quite a few innings for the Golden Bears over the last three, four years, uh, has started games, has thrown out of the bullpen as well. So uh, a versatile arm that can come in and contribute right away. Hunter Hodges coming in from UNC Wilmington. Not sure what's with TCU adding all these Hodgeses. But you got Johnny Hodges and Hunter Hodges and Travius Hodges Tomlinson and Jamoy Hodge. I, I love it. You know, these guys uh, representing the Hodges name well. Um, maybe it was destiny that I wound up at TCU. Who knows? But um, Hunter Hodges comes in from UNC Wilmington. A strikeout machine over there. He was a back-end reliever. I believe he was a closer. Had well over 100 strikeouts in just under 70 innings pitched. So he is a high-risk, high-reward arm. Um, and I say high-risk because he also had 61 walks and 26 wild pitches over the last two years at Wilmington. So if Kirk loose, if they can get him right and he becomes a real valuable back-end guy, that'll be huge. For the bullpen, you have Garrett Wright coming back, who, like Luke Savage, has been really solid, really consistent the last couple of years. And also River Ridings, the left-hander, the sidewinder. Um, River Ridings had a very unfortunate 2022 season. Um, came in 2021, was spectacular, had a 108 ERA, was a super effective back-end reliever. It, it just did not happen for him last year. ERA close to seven. Walks were way up, wild pitches were up, strikeout numbers were down. Just was not the guy that we know he can be. And so that's going to be another challenge, I think, for TCU this year is uh, getting River Ridings back to where we know he can be. If that can happen and Hunter Hodges gets straightened out with Garrett Wright and some of the younger guys, Cohen Feaser is back from last season. He pitched well in limited innings, and you have a lot of freshmen coming in. So the, the potential, I think, is definitely there for TCU's pitching staff. I think uh, the concerns are more so with the starting rotation. Who's going to be that third starter? Uh, who's going to be your midweek starter? And with your top two guys, Ryan Vanderhey and Cam Brown, can they give you consistent outings on a, on a start-by-start basis? Those are going to be uh, really paramount for TCU baseball because I believe this offense from top to bottom is going to score a lot of runs. This team can hit for power, can hit for contact, and I think is going to be in a position to win a lot of games this year. So uh, just looking real quick at TCU baseball, last year went 38-22, and 22, did win the Big 12 regular season title, came up short in the tournament though, and then lost in the NCAA regional round. So uh, TCU looking to eclipse 40 wins this year, hopefully, and potentially make a deeper run in the NCAA tournament. Again, I think the talent is there. So we will see what happens. It all starts this weekend at the College Baseball Showdown with Friday's game against Vanderbilt, who is in a bit of a similar situation. Vanderbilt went 39-23 and last year, um, also losing quite a few players from last year's roster. 
Arkansas, of course, will always be tough as they are on a year-by-year basis. And TCU facing Missouri on Sunday, the first matchup in uh, TCU baseball's history between TCU and Missouri since 2010. So a pretty, pretty long time uh, since TCU played Missouri that last game in 2010. The Frogs won 4-3. to Maybe that'll mean something this weekend. I don't know. But um, a good challenge, as I mentioned before, for TCU baseball as the Frogs get ready to start this weekend. So get out to Globe Life Field. Uh, I believe the games will be streaming online as well. So check them out and wish the Frogs some luck this weekend there. That'll pretty much do it for baseball. We'll have to, unfortunately, talk about some basketball stuff right now because TCU basketball is just continuing to struggle. The The struggle is very real for the Frogs, who continue to play without Mike Miles, who is still nursing that hyperextended knee that he suffered during the Mississippi State game. Eddie Lampkin is trying to tough it out through that ankle injury, but you can tell that he's not 100%. And the Frogs suffering... Two more losses since we last talked on the podcast here. TCU losing at home on Saturday against Baylor, 72-68. to Splitting the season series with the Bears and then going on the road and falling flat at Iowa State. Uh, yesterday evening, that score, 70-59 to in favor of the Cyclones. TCU came in this week as the number 22 team in the country, so... Still trying to hold on to a top 25 spot, but Frogs have fallen to 7th in the Big 12 with the potential to uh, drop even further if, you know, Mike Miles is still a week or so away from coming back. And you you hate to put all the pressure on one guy's shoulders, but um, the Frogs are 4-8 and over their last 12 games. They're 3-6 and on the year without Mike Miles, and they've lost four straight. So... Um, unfortunately our expectations, I think for TCU moving forward have to be tempered greatly. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but first let's talk about the Baylor game because all things considered, um, this was a very winnable game. TCU actually held a 10 point lead in the second half. It was 56 to 46. And then Baylor goes on, I believe a 15 to four run takes a lead, uh, frogs, aren't able to make shots over the last three, four minutes of the game until Damian Baugh actually makes three baskets in the last minute. And then I believe he forces a turnover late in the game. So TCU has the last shot or the second to last possession uh, with a chance to win it. And Damian Baugh just kind of chucks up a pretty bad shot and what wasn't really a well-run play wasn't well executed. Baylor gets the rebound and uh, closes it out from the free throw line. And uh, that was a wrap. 72-68. So two really close games for TCU and Baylor this year. Obviously the Frogs winning by one at Waco earlier this year. Baylor getting its revenge on Saturday. Damian Baugh, he did play well in this game. 16 points, 10 assists, also had seven rebounds. So uh, a double-double for him, almost a triple-double, and again, made three baskets in the final minute to help TCU have a chance to win. Jacoby Coles, so steady, again, off the bench. He had 15 points and five rebounds. Uh, Interesting change to the rotation for this game, though. 
Shahade Wells, who has been starting for Mike Miles, actually did not start in this game. He came off the bench. He had seven points and three rebounds, played 29 minutes. So he still played a lot, but he came off the bench. And the reason he did is because Jamie Dixon chose to roll with Rondell Walker in the starting lineup for Lord knows what reason, because Rondell Walker, God bless him. We've talked about him on the podcast a lot. It's just not happening for him with TCU. Coming over from Oklahoma State, uh, a guy who is supposed to bring defense and some toughness and a little bit of scoring off the bench. He's averaging two points and 1.7 rebounds in just over 14 minutes a game. He scored no points in this game in 15 minutes, and he has not scored in five of the last seven games. So uh, Rondo Walker actually did not. I don't know if he logged any minutes against Iowa State. Actually, Tyler Lundblade, who has hardly sniffed the court this year, actually got a couple of early minutes against the Cyclones. But Rondo Walker getting a start against Baylor and once again just not having any real impact on the game. And you look at the sample size, it's pretty large now. I mean, TCU has played almost 30 games this season, and you have to wonder, even with Mike Miles out, is Rondo is Rondo Walker even worth giving minutes to at this point? Um, again, wasn't in the rotation against Iowa State, and you have to wonder if he's even going to get minutes down the stretch here because he's he's not hitting shots. You know, he's he's trying to take shots, and maybe it's just a confidence thing, like it was with Shahade Wells earlier this year. But it, it's just not happening for for Rondo Walker, and and starting him, I think, in this game was questionable played 15 minutes and just wasn't able to do much there. A um, couple of positives, I think, to to bring up from the Baylor game, though. TCU did out-rebound the Bears 32-26, to 26, and they shot 52% from the field, which isn't terrible. But when you're as bad of a three-point shooting team and a free-throw shooting team as TCU is, that's really got to be closer to 60% because uh, TCU went 2-for-10 from three-point range, and 10 for 16 on free throws, which is 62.5%. And, you know, in academics, you get a 60, 62.5 on a test. That's a D minus. So I'm going to give TCU a D minus for its free throw shooting in this game. Uh, two for 10 on threes. TCU hasn't shot threes well all season. They really rely on the fast break and the defense to be able to get out in transition. And, um, the shooting that we saw in a couple of the games earlier in Big 12 play, Kansas specifically, I think we can see now that those were kind of the outliers. Um, Frogs just cannot shoot the ball well from the perimeter. And by contrast, Baylor was 12 for 13 on free throws and shot 10 for 26 from three. So they shot fine from three. You know, that's 10 for 26 is about 35, 36%. That's respectable. Like it's not blowing anyone out of the water, but uh, 12 for 13 on free throws, that's 92%. That's an A. I give Baylor an A for their free throw shooting. And that's how it goes in college basketball. Sometimes it's a four, you lose by four points. Baylor only missed one free throw. TCU missed six. TCU is playing at home. That shouldn't really happen. You know that the free throw shooting has got to be better. And we're going to talk about that uh, real soon here when we begin discussing the Iowa State game, but um, 
The rebounding advantage that TCU had is really much due to the guards and the wing players. Um, Damian Baugh, Jacoby Coles, Shahade Wells, Micah Peavy, they are playing much bigger than their size on the boards right now. And even though TCU had the rebounding advantage in this game, Emmanuel Miller and Xavier Cork combined for only three rebounds in this game. And those are your two biggest guys on the floor who are not named Eddie Lampkin. And Eddie Lampkin did not play against Baylor. He did play against Iowa State. But uh, Xavier Cork in 19 minutes had one rebound in this Baylor game. And Emmanuel Miller in 35 minutes had only two rebounds. Um, And Emmanuel Miller is 6'8", and he's built. He's a strong dude. Xavier Cork is 6'9". He's athletic. That's unacceptable for the two of them combined to have only three rebounds, especially with Eddie Lampkin banged up. TCU can't continue to rely on its guards and its wing players to do all the work on the boards. you got to find a way. If you're not going to be involved highly on the offensive end, get down there and work for offensive rebounds because we talk about TCU getting out in transition and that really being the key to their offensive success because they can't shoot the ball particularly well. You also got to find some ways to generate extra possessions, you know, not going one and out all the time on jump shots. If you can steal another five, six, seven possessions a game from your offensive rebounds, um, that's, that's another eight, 10, 12 points that you could potentially put on the, on the scoreboard. So, um, I'd like to challenge the the front court players for TCU over the over these next five games to close out the regular season. Get to work on the glass. Start getting after some of these offensive rebounds because I think there's enough film out there on TCU now to understand, especially with no Mike Miles. You prevent TCU from getting in any sort of fast break mode. Um, you're going to have a really good chance to win. So, with that, we'll go ahead and move on to the Iowa State game and. This will be pretty quick because there really isn't much to to discuss in this game. Iowa State came out on a 13-2 to run. TCU had two points in the first five minutes of the game, three points in the first seven minutes of the game. Started out one for six from the free throw line. Two different players had chances to knock down two free throws and went 0 for 2. And that was really what stood out to me about this game, losing 70-59, to 59, TCU finished 6-for-18 on free throws. That is 33.3%. Again, academics, you get a score in the 50s, that's an F. This is like an F-minus-minus-minus for, for the frog shooting free throws. I mean, I just, I can't remember watching any team, maybe at the high school level, particularly in girls' basketball, you can see some pretty mediocre free-throw shooting. But for a collegiate team, especially a Power 5 team, to go 6-for-18 on free-throws, that's just embarrassing. I, I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care who you're playing against. I mean, 50-60% is bad. But you're shooting 6-for-18. Not to mention you were 5-for-19 on three-point shots. Again, just over 20%. The free throw shooting, though, I don't know what needs to change here. I I don't know if it's a confidence factor. I don't know if it's 
because these guys are not practicing their free throws during the week, but you have no chance to win when you're that bad from the free throw line. Again, TCU loses by 11 points. You left 12 points on the board because you couldn't make, you couldn't make free throws. And I'm not expecting TCU to shoot 100% from the free throw line every game. That would be a godsend, but it's got to be in the 80% range at least. Like 6 for 18 is just frankly terrible. So um, not much else to really say about that, just calling it how I see it. Um, Shahade Wells had 15 points. And seven rebounds, again, one of the smaller players on the floor getting most of the rebounds for TCU. Uh, Shahade Wells did start this game uh, and played well, so he deserves some credit there. Micah Peavy had 13 points and five rebounds. Peavy has also been starting the last couple of games in place of Chuck O'Bannon, who has come off the bench and uh, frankly just has not given the Frogs the kind of shooting presence and the kind of spark that he gave them last season. So. Um, not sure if it's too little, too late for him. He's a sixth year senior. You hope that he can turn it around, but, um, Micah Peavy and Shahade Wells, the only two TCU players in double figures for this game. Um, frog shot well under 50% from the field. We're out rebounded 31 to 28. A couple of positives. They outscored the Cyclones 20 to 12 off turnovers and 11 to four on the fast break, but, if you're Iowa State and you hold TCU to only 11 fast break points, I think you're pretty happy about that. So overall, just uh, looking at where TCU basketball is now, they are 17-9. and nine. They are 6-7 and seven in the Big 12, losing record in the conference now with five games remaining in the regular season. Next game is going to be Saturday against Oklahoma State at Schollmeyer and then Monday at Schollmeyer against number 5 Kansas. TCU with a... Rare opportunity for a season sweep of the Jayhawks, a regular season sweep, I should add, of the Jayhawks. Um, Mike Miles, his status, there are some rumors that he may be healthy enough to play Saturday. I know there was some talk that he might play against Iowa State. He came out on, he came out on Twitter and said, uh, not so fast. I'm, I'm not ready to play yet, but... Um, I think it was alluded to on the broadcast that he may be coming back on Saturday. So um, I can't confirm anything, but the hope is that he's back on Saturday, I think, for TCU fans because you've already lost to Oklahoma State. Without Mike Miles, your season is kind of spiraling downward at the moment. On the podcast last week, Drew and Anthony talked about uh, panic or patience with TCU basketball, and I still think you have to be patient. Um, unfortunately, I think that comes with tempered expectations. I think this team, after pounding Kansas and pounding Oklahoma, we were talking about what are TCU's chances for a Big 12 title? What are TCU's chances for uh, a four or five seed in the tournament? What are TCU's chances to make the Sweet 16? I think now the focus has to be getting Mike Miles back getting Eddie Lampkin healthy and making some kind of run in the big 12 tournament. Um, ideally you go three and two or four and one over these last five games, three of which are against unranked teams, Oklahoma state, Texas tech and Oklahoma. You do have to play Kansas and Texas again. Those are 
uh, resume building opportunities, they will be really difficult. Again, especially if Miles and Lampkin are not healthy. But I think right now, um, if TCU continues to struggle down the stretch like this, I think you have to look at the Frogs probably being an eight or nine seed for the NCAA tournament. And that's assuming they don't lose out and lose in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Because if that happens, you could be looking at nine, 10 seed. Who knows, maybe being on the bubble at that point. Um, there are some good feathers in the cap right now for TCU basketball, but I think you you got to still be patient. I, I really think Mike Miles is close to returning, and you have to see how TCU looks with him. If they get him back and they're able to rally off some wins, I think you have to feel pretty confident. But if they get him back and they continue to struggle, then that's a whole other story, which we'll probably have some more conversations about that next week. Um, next week's podcast will include the Oklahoma State game and the Kansas game, so we'll have a much better idea, I think, next week of uh, where TCU is at as a basketball program. So I think that about covers everything basketball-related. Um, a few noteworthy things I'd like to touch on before I sign off here this evening. A uh, couple shout-outs to the TCU tennis programs. TCU women's tennis is 6-0 and to start the season, 6-0, and for the first time since the 2004-2005 season. So uh, congratulations to the Lady Frogs on a tremendous start on the court. Men's tennis is 8-0 as well. So both teams are undefeated. And TCU will be playing in the ITA Indoor National Championship Tournament in the Chicagoland area this weekend. First match is tomorrow against number 10 Baylor. TCU has already beaten Baylor this season. A win would get TCU into the next round against either Georgia or South Carolina. So uh, some really good tennis coming up this weekend for the TCU men. I'm pretty sure those will be streamable online, so watch them if you can. Cheer on the Frogs as they look to defend their indoor national title. So uh, just some tennis notes I wanted to float out here. And then also some brief football news, and this is something that was reported earlier today by Matt Zenitz of On3 as well as Jeremy Clark of Hornfrog Blitz in that Joquarius Bivey, the redshirt senior tight end, has reportedly entered the transfer portal. Now, uh, this is a little bit of a surprise because last month he did a local interview with a station down in the Monroe, Louisiana area, which I believe is where he's from, and talked about his expectations for next season and wanting to help TCU get back to the national championship and win it. So I think folks looked at that as he was coming back for his sixth season. But news coming out earlier today that he has entered the transfer portal. Sounds like some players have called cap on that. So maybe not entering the portal. I don't know. It's, it's kind of tough with the portal these days. And I believe Spivey would be a grad transfer. So I think the rule is with grad transfers, they can enter the portal at any time. Whereas if you're an undergrad, you can only enter the portal in specific windows. Um, but Joquarius Spivey, if it is true that he is indeed in the portal, it's a bit of unfortunate news. He's a, a guy who was a starter last this past season as the Y slot guy. He's kind of like the pro Wells 
hybrid wide receiver tight end role player for TCU's offense, had 11 catches, 136 yards, a touchdown on that fourth down goal line play against Iowa State. Um, but he's a, he's really a tight end. You know, he's six five, six six, two fifty. Uh, big, strong guy with pretty good hands, good target over the middle of the field. But I think for TCU, with Jared Wiley coming back for another year at tight end, you also have DeAndre Rogers, who's a former four-star prospect, along with Jack Beck, who's that hybrid tight end wide receiver coming over from LSU. Not to mention how many wide receivers TCU is going to have on the roster for 2023. I think playing time for Spivey could be pretty difficult. And I wouldn't be surprised if TCU rolls with a lot of four wide sets this year because, Lauren, TCU is going to have a lot of receivers with tremendous talent that are going to need some playing time. I mean, I can go up and down the list here with uh, Jordan Hudson and Cordale Russell, DJ Allen, Savion Williams, John Paul Richardson coming over from Oklahoma State, Jalen Robinson coming over from Ole Miss, Jack Beck I just mentioned, JoJo Earl coming over from Alabama. Uh, you, you got a lot of guys that, that are going to need some playing time. So um, Spivey was a, a good contributor for TCU this past year, spent two seasons with the program. So if he is indeed transferring, uh, best of luck to him. I think he's definitely good enough to, to be a starter for a Power 5 program. So uh, best of luck to him on wh whatever he decides to do. So that'll, uh, that'll pretty much do it. I think for this evening's episode, again, talked about baseball, basketball, tennis, and football. I guess I'll float in one more thing. Uh, TCU beach volleyball is going to be getting started here pretty shortly. And the frogs are uh, number three to start off the season. So quite a few TCU athletic programs, in the top 25 still, TCU Equestrian is also a top five team in the country. So still plenty of good things going on with TCU Athletics. May not seem like it with basketball struggling right now and uh, football being in kind of a dead period, but um, there are always positive things if you look hard enough. And so with that, I will go ahead and sign off. Again, I am Russ Hodges. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining me on this episode of the Frogs of War podcast. Uh, please like, share our content on social media. We are very active on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, over 18,000 followers on Facebook, approaching 22,000 followers on Twitter. We run game threads for TCU men's basketball. So hop on frogsofwar.com, uh, chop it up on the game threads with us, and we're posting content on a daily basis. We have some really good regular weekly content coming your way. With baseball getting started, we're going to be having a, a weekly baseball recap coming your way, as well as continued basketball coverage and other coverage with TCU sports, odds and ends, things, things of that nature. So please continue to support us. It really means a lot. Um, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us online, frogsofwar.com. Like, share, comment, interact with the community. It's all really appreciated. So with that, I will go ahead and sign off. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend and go Frogs.